The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome here into this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt, and I am your host, and it is so great to have you here with us. And um, just briefly want to want to start this episode by giving a, a big thank you to to Prairie Care for officially becoming a a sponsor of the podcast here. Um, this is this is a real honor for for me to be to be linking hands with Prairie Care, and and it means a lot that uh, that they are are supporting. Supporting this community, supporting this work, and um, just so so grateful for them. And wanted to to let you all know that that as part of this this partnership, we are every month going to be bringing on different voices from the Prairie Care community to to talk to all of you, covering a whole range of mental health related topics. And um, this week is the first of, of those conversations. We are gonna be talking about essentially therapy 101. I, I, I know that therapy can be kind of this really overwhelming process, scary process at times that, um, especially if you're new to it, it can be a bit overwhelming to maneuver. And so what I'm hoping to do with, with this episode here today is talk about things like what is therapy? Um, how do you find a therapist? How do you maneuver that process? Um, how long do you meet with your therapist? How often do you meet with your therapist? Just kind of cover some of the basics of of what you can expect if you are stepping into this process out there. And we have two wonderful humans joining us for this episode. Um, We are talking with Dr. Anastasia Ristow and Dr. Anna Bollinger. They are both at Prairie Care. And they're going to be offering their insights um, around this topic to all of you. And, and I'm so excited about it. Um, some brief introductions. Dr. Um, Bollinger is a marriage and family therapist at Prairie Care. Works a lot with kids and teens in their, in their partial hospitalization program, but also works with people of all ages. And 
Dr. Ristow is also a therapist and also the director of psychotherapeutics there at Prairie Care. And it's a big word, right? But uh, essentially what that means is is um, Dr. Ristow oversees therapists, associate therapists, and psychologists at Prairie Care. Um, and really, really means a lot that they took some time out of their very, very busy schedules to connect. And I, I, I talked to both of them separately, individually, and, and then kind of blended the two the two interviews into this episode. So you'll be hearing from from both of them um, as as we step into this. So I hope you find this helpful and um, let's go ahead and get started. My conversation with Dr. Bollinger and Dr. Ristow. Why do you do what you do? Such a good question. I could probably talk for hours about that. Um, it's hard to hard to be succinct in general, but with that, mm-hmm. um, I just know uh, that everything about this work has potential to make a difference often in ways that I don't understand or can't predict or might not even recognize. And that to me is so powerful. Being with people in like these hard um, changing moments, when people come to therapy, they're coming because things have been really hard. The space that you create as a therapist or a psychologist is in so many ways a sacred space. It's, It's such a unique space between you and the other person or persons that you're engaging in this work with and sometimes you can you can see a person who's on a certain pathway shift in a in a way that's so um, pivotal for their life pathway that it's just this amazing honor to be a part of and to get to see them doing that hard work and getting there. So there's just something about all of that that invigorates me and feels so enriching. I really believe that a lot of times the hard things are parts of what make us who we are. And so being with people in those moments is, is in some ways like sacred work. And I feel really thankful to be there. So therapy, I know, is kind of this big word for a lot of people that almost um, scares people, I think, sometimes that mm-hmm. aren't, aren't really used to talking about it. H- how do you describe like, what therapy is? I would say therapy essentially is when you create, and it used to be when you go to a place, but mm-hmm. right now it, it isn't even necessarily that. Sometimes it still is. But I think what we've learned, and really it reinforces this, as we've had to move virtual, therapy isn't about the place, therapy isn't about the stuff, therapy isn't about necessarily like worksheets or skills or tasks, it's about the space that you create together to intentionally choose something to explore, to learn more about, and to figure out how to make different in some way. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a space to evolve and discover. Yeah. Um, and feel like you can find out more about yourself or, you know, where your life is or where your life has been or where your life is headed. I think that the goal of therapy is to know more and to have more choices. Mm. Um, And often I think therapy is about realizing that you're more normal than you think. (laughs) That what you think is so weird and so abnormal is actually just the same for everybody else or you're not as bad at this that or the other or for many parents guess what you're not screwing up like you think you are or you're not an awful person or you know whatever we kind of develop these narratives about and conclusions based on everything we think we see around us and what we think other people are like and then we get into therapy and we have this space and the the lack of distraction the ability to actually just be present focus which is kind of uncomfortable at first um many of us discover so many things about ourselves that are you know actually not as weird as we think and are very valuable do you have to have um, like a diagnosis or or something specific that you're struggling with to see a therapist? No, not at all. Um, I there's, you know, I think with kids and teenagers that's more often the case. Yep. Um, parents are usually driving it, although sometimes we see kids and teens who are like, "Please get me a therapist," you mm. know, because these days. Um, I think the climate has changed so in such a beautiful way these last couple of years that kids and teenagers really seem to understand the value of therapy and it's almost a cool thing. And so kids know about it and talk about it and ask for it. Um, And usually there's something specific and identifiable with those folks. But um, I would say for a lot of others, um, it may just be a general sense of like, I'm just not content or I'm just not happy or there's just something that's missing Mm -hmm. or I don't know I feel like I'm having a hard time connecting with people or gosh I keep cycling through dating partners you know or maybe I'm questioning some of those things and I'm not sure if I'm even on the right track like what's is something wrong with me those kinds Mm -hmm. of things Mm -hmm. Um, and that's often the narrative we'll hear is like I feel like something's wrong but I don't know what And that's perfectly um, natural therapy stomping grounds to explore together. How do you find a therapist? Such a good question. (laughs) It's a big question, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think most people start with asking people they know if they know any good therapists. A word of mouth is a common um, trajectory that that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's I think more common now as people are talking about it more. Uh, but there are still a lot of folks who uh, really prefer to keep this pretty private. Dr. Ristow and Dr. Bollinger say a great starting point is to get a list from your insurance company of who is in your network. Asking your primary care doctor who they recommend is also a great starting point. You can contact any major healthcare network in your area, 
let them know that you're looking to see a therapist and they can help you out. Um, one thing to note there is that there tend to be some longer waiting times if you do go in that direction. You can also just log right onto your computer and go to websites like psychologytoday.com and therapyden.com. They have a find a therapist tool where you can search for therapists that are in your area. The one thing to note with that that can be a little bit interesting to maneuver is that depending on where you live, you might get this really long list of, of therapists that are, are right there in your area. And, and sifting through that um, can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes. So when I'm talking with folks and they're looking through those, like that page after page of listing kind of thing, um, I think I often really advise people to lean more intuitive than like cognitive. So look at their pictures. Do they look like somebody that you would jive with? You know, of course, if you know already, like I really want to see a female therapist or I really want to see a non-binary therapist, or it's important for me to have a black therapist, like include those things like in your mental like criteria as you're looking through what I say about finding your therapist or your psychologist is that it's sort of like um, and not everybody will get this analogy but it's sort of like finding a great pair of jeans where you can have 10 pair of jeans that are the same brand the same size the same color you could line them up on a table they all look the same there shouldn't be any difference, but you put them all on and there's just that one or two pairs that just fits kind of right mm -hmm. and feels comfortable. There's something about it mm -hmm. that is the right fit. That's kind of what it's like in finding a therapist or a psychologist. As you find therapists that you want to reach out to, you can send them an email or give them a call, let them know that you are interested in working with them. Um, just a, a little personal note from me, what I have found to be really, really helpful is that I'll reach out to therapists and say, I'm interested in working with you. Is there any way that we could hop on a quick little five or 10 minute phone call just to connect and see if it's a good fit? I have had really good success with that in the past. Most therapists have been willing to do that with me. Um, Dr. Bollinger says it's totally okay to follow up with another email or a phone call if you do not hear back the first time. But if it's been three to four days, she says, after that second attempt and you have not heard anything back, probably a good idea to, to cross them off your list and move on likely means that they are not taking new clients right now. As you're looking, as you're calling, as you're waiting, as you're calling back, all of those kinds of things, there's some part of you that's getting ready to change, that's getting ready to no more. And even though it, it often feels really pointless and in many ways, right, there's all these sort of like pointless, stupid, arbitrary parts of our healthcare system that just are, right? There's something really important in that process that where change is happening, even if, if it's not quite the change you can see yet, but that first call, those first times you call back, right? Um, you're doing the work. You're starting the work. And so give yourself credit for that. Um, and we'll be here. So you get to the point of meeting with your therapist for the very first time. 
Very important to note here that it is super common to feel anxious heading into that first meeting, potentially might even feel a little bit awkward. And I think it's really natural to feel that burst of anxiety right beforehand, um, Mm -hmm. especially the very, very first time. But sometimes that's not unusual, even when it's your 51st time. Totally. um, Because it's like our minds and our bodies are anticipating that you're, we're about to do something pretty great, pretty important, pretty big. Dr. Ristow says that first session will likely be around an hour. Then after that, most sessions last between 45 and 55 minutes. A lot of people start seeing their therapist once a week or every other week to begin. And as far as how long you're going to work with your therapist, that really totally depends on everybody's unique situation. Dr. Bullinger says, especially with longer than normal wait times happening right now because of an increased demand, she recommends giving it five or six sessions to see if it's a good fit between you and your therapist. Of course, if there's stuff happening like the therapist uh, short cancels like a couple sessions in a row or um, there's something, I heard one person talk about a therapist fell asleep in a session. Something really crazy, outlandish like that, you know, like obviously like cut and run. I don't think they teach that in school, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) Good time to take a nap right in the middle of your therapy therapy session. As it turns out, I mean, like, you know, therapists are human like anybody else. We all have like really, we all have bad days, but like that's pretty spectacularly bad. Dr. Bullinger says it is totally okay to ask your therapist for a referral if you do not think it's a good fit. And having some of those difficult conversations when you don't feel like things are going well, a little bit uncomfortable for sure, but they can actually deepen the connection between you and your therapist. It is your time. Like it's so valuable for you to know that it's like the best place to practice speaking up and saying what's really on your mind knowing that this is not a family member, this is not a friend. You don't have to worry about hurting their feelings. You don't have to worry about what it's going to be like the next time you see them because part of our job is allowing the space for all of that mucky, ucky, uncomfortable stuff to happen and know that we're there for you unconditionally no matter what. I've had people in my office, you know, sometimes therapy is really hard. And it brings up really big feelings. And I've had people say some really hard things and they come back the next time and we're that much further along our path together. And I'm there with open arms, Mm -hmm. you know, because I understand it's part of the process. And it's not about me, the therapist or the psychologist. It is not about us. It is about you 110%. It's your time. Even if you're in a groove with your therapist and things are going well, there are definitely going to be those days where you just do not feel like going. You want to cancel. You're just not feeling it. Um, Certainly happens. And interestingly, Dr. Ristow says sometimes those can be some real moments for growth. Sometimes those sessions end up being the most impactful ones, Mm. if that makes sense. Yep. Um, And maybe that's because we can be a little more real when we're in the raw, you know? So maybe it's not about showing up a certain way. It's just showing up. Yes. Yes. 
being willing to kind of show up in the midst of whatever's going on with you that day, even if it looks really messy. In fact, it probably will feel messy, even if you're like, let's do this, you know, and you go in, like, it's so often not what we expect it to be mm. um, in lots of different ways. But yeah, just showing up, just being there. Yeah. I know a lot of us are wired in this way of like, I need to do therapy right, or I need to win at therapy, or I need to kind of reach <laughs> the, you know, reach the finish line of therapy and then everything's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the case? Is, is that how it works? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, for some specific things, like especially little, little kids, yeah, you might have something that's super concrete like wetting the bed or tantrums or whatever it might be getting to school without a meltdown yeah you can have wins in some really concrete ways um and even not just little kids i i guess i should say for the full age range there are certain more concrete things that you can feel and see getting better and that you might be like nailed it you know Mm -hmm. but i don't know that it's often in the session it, I think a lot of the, the work, I mean, the work happens in the session, but a lot of the progress also happens between sessions. Um, and I don't, I don't think that we can do therapy right or wrong. Um, and again, I mean, you know, almost 20 years of doing this work, I got to tell you, so often the sessions where I leave there thinking, whew, I don't, I wonder what, I wonder what's going to stick from that. Cause for me, I'm not sure that it was the things that I had thought, you know, like I kind of go in with an idea and then I leave going as the therapist or the psychologist going, well, I don't know, that went way different than I, than I thought, or, Ooh, I'm not so sure about that one. And almost always the next time for the sessions that I feel were a little bit of a bust, the person's like, dude, like that was, there was this piece that we said like this has been sitting Mm. with me and I've noticed this this and this so like I say that just to release that that um, pressure from ourselves either as providers but especially as the ones in therapy the client or the patient that like there isn't a right or wrong way to do it and there we might think we know what to expect and what it means to have had a good session but often there's pieces of it that are going to sit and resonate with you in a way that you can't even predict in in the hour while you're there mm-hmm. that like 2 days later all of a sudden you're still mulling over that and you're noticing something is starting to shift a little bit in some mm-hmm. way that's impact and that's important and that's that's like therapy gold, you know? When you work with somebody in therapy, what do you hope that they experience in that, in that interaction? Um, I hope that they experience a moment of hope. I hope that they experience many moments of even just milliseconds of peace. I hope that they feel compassion towards them. I hope that they feel safe. I hope that they feel grounded and contained, cared about and valued. I hope that to the degree 
it's possible that they can feel sort of seen and known. Um, that it feels safe. That it can also be sort of um, a space where like the whole of life can show up. You know, so sometimes therapy is really silly, you know, and like, that's okay, right? You can be depressed and there can be silly moments that can be part of life, yeah. you know? And so as much as possible, it's a place where the, the whole of life can show up and people can be seen and known. That's my hope. We want people to be able to know that when they set aside this time and they use their valuable resources to pay for it and they pause their life to spend 45, 55 minutes with us, that that becomes a space unlike any other in which they can be, they can be, they can be however they need to be in that moment. I just want to once again give a, a big thank you to to Dr. Ristau and Dr. Bollinger for, for taking time out of their very busy schedules to to have these these conversations and and a big shout out also to the the team there at prairie care for helping make those happen um alex robin the rest of the team um very very grateful for that and i i hope that uh i hope that you were able to take something away from this conversation and i know that there are some of you out there listening who have done a lot of therapy. Um, maybe you're you're seeing a therapist right now, and, and in that process. And and I know there's also many of you out there who are um, maybe interested, intrigued, um, but overwhelmed and scared about the idea of of going to therapy. And and I get that. I get that. That can be a really a very very real thing to experience. Um, what I would just want to add to to this this conversation today is that going to therapy um, doing this work is is not is not a sign of weakness and and does not mean that there's something wrong with you um, I I tend to look at it kind of the exact opposite I think that um, being willing to ask for help and and step into some of these spaces that, kind of feel scary and can feel kind of overwhelming and messy are um, some of the most courageous things that we can do in our lives. So um, wherever you're at, I, uh, I hope that you found this conversation helpful. And as always, as always, every episode that we put out, I hope that you just take what serves you from this and, and go ahead and leave the rest be gentle with yourself out there, my friends, one moment, one day at a time, and we'll talk soon. <laughs>